Welcome back to the One Foot Down Podcast. I am Eric Murtaugh. This is our 60th episode. Hard to believe we've already taped 60 of these things. Uh, sometimes it feels about twice that, or sometimes half that. It kind of depends on your perspective. Uh, I'm going to run solo today. I was actually on campus this past weekend. Uh, didn't get home until Sunday night, so I've been behind on everything, trying to stay on schedule during football season. Um, we got a lot to talk about this week, though. Um, first, I just want to recap the Navy game. Um, the Irish win that one, 41-20 to forty-one twenty-four. Um, I thought Notre Dame played pretty well. Um, I actually went there with my dad. It was his first time on campus since uh, we estimated probably 1964. He, he was a little kid. Um, kind of, I knew that he was in the field house for the Pepper line of Friday night. They didn't stay for the game on Saturday. Um, he thought it was Era's first year. So we were like, it's gotta be 64. He thought it was either 64 or 65. So, I mean, he didn't really remember anything from campus, but it was really nice there to spend some father son time together. Uh, the weather was just immaculate. It was unbelievable. Um, <laughs> driving there, uh, we had rain pretty much the whole trip. Uh, I live about six hours away. Uh, Parents live about seven hours away, so about four and a half, five hours of that trip. It was rainy and and dreary. And just before we get to Notre Dame, the skies just opened up, and basically all Friday afternoon through uh, the game on Saturday was just pure blue skies, sun. I actually got a little bit of a sunburn on my face. I didn't even think about any sunscreen or anything like that. Just not thinking, uh, you know early October that that would be necessary, but uh, that was kind of funny going back to the hotel uh, that night and checking myself out in the mirror. So like I said, I thought the Irish played pretty well. Um, you know, I was listening to the, the Irish Illustrated podcast a couple of days ago and they were saying basically it's probably not one of those games we're ever going to remember. And I think that's always good with Navy <laughs> as long as you win. Uh, and obviously if Notre Dame wins uh, or if Notre Dame were to lose, it'd be something we would remember. Uh, much more vividly. I think this is going to be one of those games where we don't really remember much. Um, didn't really blow them out. Um, covered the spread, though. I didn't have the Irish covering the spread, so I thought that was pretty pretty good that they were able to do that. Uh, it was a little tense in the first half, I thought. You know, that first series by Navy, I was just like, oh, I wasn't super worried, but, you know, I knew that they were going to do something a little bit different in that first series, and I thought they were – really testing out the, uh, the outside of the Notre Dame defense in that first drive. And then it seemed like we kind of sewed that up a little bit better as the game went on. Even when they came back to tie, I, I, I think the one thing that w- I kept reminding myself in the stadium was we, we were doing enough on offense um, to win the game. So, um, you know, it was just a question of, is it going to be kind of a, a, a shootout that was going to go into the fourth quarter or would Notre Dame kind of slowly pull away? And obviously the latter happened, you know, I actually missed the Ewan field goal right at the half and decided to go get a quick bite to eat and um, figuring Notre Dame was just going to take the kickoff and, and take a knee and go into halftime. And of course, Ewan hits a 52 yarder. So that was, that was pretty good. 24 points at halftime, you know, kind of on a 50 pace for 50 points. Um, I normally just, Navy's not going to beat Notre Dame when they're giving up that many points. Now you could say, well, Navy scored 21, but Notre Dame came out in the second half and I thought pretty much dominated the play. Um, 
Primus was in hand. It kind of felt like the UMass game a little bit, maybe not to that degree, but just to the fact of it was a, it seemed like a really close game. And then all of a sudden, a couple of minutes into uh, the second half, Notre Dame kind of had control of the game and kind of just rode it out to the end. Uh, basically, the whole fourth quarter, or the last half of the fourth quarter, was one big uh, you know, running play or whatever you want to say for Notre Dame, just putting the game away, chewing up clock. It kind of almost felt like Navy was kind of quitting a little bit. I don't want to say quit. I just didn't. Maybe they didn't really have a whole lot of faith that they were going to be able to come back. Um, I thought they would hurry up a little bit more than they did, especially in the fourth quarter. You know, they took a long time uh, kind of going through the motions a little bit. In my In my recap, I mentioned that Navy got through and, and scored a field goal um, in the fourth quarter, but it took almost seven minutes off the clock. So, I mean, that's a trade-off that Notre Dame is going to take. Um, actually, it was in the third quarter they, they uh, got their field goal. Notre Dame came down, I, I believe, in – and uh, just answered back with another field goal. So, you know, this, the score differential remained the same. We just ate up all that time off the clock. So um, that's never going to be a winning strategy for Navy. So I thought they would uh, hurry up a little bit more in the second half when they, they trailed by 10 to 17 points. Not sad to see Keenan Reynolds go. Um, a little bummed that he got hurt in this game. Uh, I kind of felt bad for him. Um, but, you know, their, their backup, Tago Smith, he seemed pretty good to me. He seemed, he seemed awfully fast. Uh, and I think, you know, as long as you're making smart decisions, that Navy quarterback, if he's fast, he's going to be a pain in the butt to play against. Um, one of the things with watching Reynolds live is I, I thought he was really good at taking contact. He's like almost like a rugby player. It's kind of like a weird combination of a rugby player and a, and a football player. He doesn't really seem to – bother with breaking tackles all that much. So if he takes the ball and, you know, he hits a seam, he kind of anticipates the guy hitting him. And I often noticed him, he kind of like leaves his feet a little bit and he just lets the person, he lets the defender tackle him and that's it. So, you know, he'll live to fight another down. Um, You know, when he got hurt, he kind of got tangled up in a couple different tackles, but most of the time, you know, he, he, He'll run down the seam and he'll hit the hole, and then he kind of sees a tackle coming, and he just kind of lets the guy tackle him. You know, it's it's kind of like, you know, I grew up playing hockey for a long time, and and, and some of the hardest hits you ever take are the ones where you kind of just stand each other up. You just kind of hit each other, and you don't go anywhere. Obviously, in football, that doesn't happen as much as in hockey. But you know, if he's out there, he's not a very big guy trying to break tackles. He's going to get hurt a lot more. He's going to be a lot more sore. I thought it was pretty interesting to watch him run that way and just kind of live to fight another down and, and just take whatever he got once, you know, a tackler came near him and, and got their body on his body. So that was interesting to watch. Um, I really couldn't have asked for a better weekend, uh, you know, just as, as a fan and, and being there with my dad. So it was nice to, uh, to see Notre Dame win. Um, we talked briefly about going after mass, going to mass after the game. And I kind of shut that idea down. Um, you know, some of our writers said, you know, it's a little too busy. Don't bother. And, uh, you know, I was like, well, it's, it's probably better to go before the game. We'll, we'll get our prayers in there. I'm not sure if we'd want to go after the game. If Notre Dame had lost this game, I would, would have been pretty cranky and uh, not somebody want to be around. Um, actually, the last Navy game that I went to was the 2009 game, and I can't think of a more depressing game than that. Um, 
just all around probably one of the worst atmospheres in Notre Dame Stadium. So it was nice to see uh, Notre Dame beat Navy the fifth straight win in the series. Hopefully it puts to bed a little bit of the fear with a triple option. You know, Navy's not going to be with Reynolds and uh, a couple of their, I think at least one of their fullbacks is graduating. So we're seeing some turnover now from some of those Navy players that had a large amount of success against Notre Dame. Um, you know, I, I just I can't really speak highly enough of how awesome the Notre Dame uniforms look in person, uh, especially with that sunlight, just bathing the stadium uh, the entire game. is just awesome to walk in there and, and see. And to see that, you know, I know there's – we talk a lot about the stadium and the atmosphere, and we make – fun a lot of the the things that go on in there and it was it was pretty quiet it wasn't a very loud game you know i asked my dad what he thought after kind of the atmosphere and his one of his answers was there's a lot of old people i was like yeah there's not it's not very loud we didn't really hear anybody yelling in our section just that's kind of what you get sometimes at notre dame but you know i know there's a lot of gnashing of the teeth about the, the the construction that's going on around the stadium and this and that but, you know, just walking into the stadium and, and being able to see those uniforms and, 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 you know, whether you're a natural grass proponent or, or turf or whatever, you can't really deny the fact that the turf looks awfully nice, uh, nice green, uh, vibrant color. It just, it looks, I think it looks great. I, you know, I know a lot of people love the way it used to be, but I think the way it looks now it is pretty amazing. So that's Navy. Uh, We'll look to see, we'll play them next year before Army. Bit of a weird, interesting schedule next year. We'll we'll face uh, the Hurricanes, and then we'll face Navy in Jacksonville, and then Army in San Antonio. That Army game will be the Shamrock Series game. So, a bit of an interesting three game schedule there. I think the buys before that Miami game, and those are all pretty late season games, late October into November, I do believe. So. It's going to be a long time since we see Navy again, and we'll see how they fare this year in the uh, AAC. You know, they still have a shot to win that conference, obviously. Pretty highly rated team coming in. You know, a lot of the advanced metrics really liked the middies. Um, so it would be really interesting to see if they actually won that conference in the first year. It would be uh, something to behold, I think. It would be a pretty quick change of opinions for a lot of people about just how good Navy is in football and, and all that stuff. So, Obviously, we'll see. By the time we play them next year, it'll be their second year, and they'll be well into their conference slate by then. So, you know, I, I guess you could say I'm not one of those people that really loves the Navy series. I wouldn't lose any sleep if we dropped them from the schedule. Um, you know, we, we did that series on one foot down a while ago, just kind of constructing your perfect schedule. I didn't put Navy on there. I, I, I you know, I, I it's not really – doesn't really do a whole lot for me. I think um, I don't see the series ending anytime soon. You know, I think they extended the series well into the 2020s already. So we still have a long time to go before really any of those discussions are serious. So, you know, I think from kind of an administration view uh, viewpoint, I think the two schools really are just kind of in love with each other a little bit. I think, you know, oftentimes that's really hard to break. I think, uh, we're kind of seeing that same sort of relationship grow between Notre Dame and Stanford. I'm interested to see what it's like in, in 20 or 30 years, if we're still playing Stanford every year and maybe people are kind of 
calling for the end of that series as well or whatever. Um, but I think there's still very similar things going on there with the leaders of both universities. So long time since we'll see Navy in that triple option. And um, I think that's okay for a lot of fans. So we got USC coming to Notre Dame this weekend. It's going to be a night game, 7.30 start. It's going to be cold. Probably drop into the 30s, hopefully the low 30s by the middle of the game. Um, I don't know if we can get any colder than that. I hope so. Obviously, the big news out of uh, Los Angeles now is the the firing of Sarkeesian. At first, he was basically suspended. Um, you know, I just share a quick little story. I was listening to the radio on my commute to work one day. Um, Amy Lawrence, uh, I think she's on CBS Radio. I don't know if she was filling in for somebody. I think she was. She spent a good 10 to 15 minutes on Sarkeesian's uh, reply to the media after that, or whatever they call it, the the Trojan, I can't even remember the name of it, when he went up on stage where all the donors were there and made a fool of himself. And afterwards he met the media and said something to the effect of, you know, sometimes when you mix uh, alcohol and prescription pills, bad things can happen. And I thought it was pretty funny. And I, I agreed with Amy Lawrence on, on, on what she was saying. She was kind of like, you know, you don't say sometimes in that, in that sentence, you don't, you know, that's like, you don't mix alcohol and prescription pills and sometimes it's okay. Or you have a great time, you know, that's not really the right message you want to send. And I think that was kind of like alarm bells went off my head. I'm thinking, no, this isn't good. And like, you know, there's always been all these rumors about Sark and, and his time at Washington and even going back to his days as an assistant at USC. And, you know, we was kind of hearing some stories during his early tenure here at USC. And, you know, he when he faced the media after that event, it was just like, wow. It really did seem like he was in denial, but it kind of quickly faded away. And a lot of, like, Notre Dame fans that, you know, I spoke to were kind of saying, you know, maybe – USC should have done. USC should have done more. Um, it's hard to you know look back at it now and and think that they shouldn't have done something then, and that's kind of sad now. You know, Brandon wrote a really heartfelt piece in our site about the situation. It is really just sad. We hope that Sark can um, can get clean and kind of turn his life around. Um, you know, I don't think really football is important right now for him and his family, you know, he's going through a divorce, you know, he's got kids and it's just, it's, it's a sad situation and you never want to see anyone have to go through that, but it does look like he needs some pretty serious help. So, you know, you look at the football team now and the Trojans, uh, God, they've just been stuck in neutral really for a long time now, you know, I'm about to finish up my preview. We're recording this on a Wednesday night later than usual. And, uh, it's pretty crazy to uh, to know that this is, I believe this is the fifth or sixth straight game that USC comes into the Notre Dame Notre Dame game unranked. I wouldn't have believed that if someone had told me that. Um, you know, I knew there was quite a bit of unranked teams that were in there, but and obviously every other year the game is played at the end of the season, and that can affect you know kind of your ranking and whatnot but you know every other year it's in the middle of the season and, and to have all, all of those games 
feature unranked USC teams is just kind of blew my mind a little bit. And, and, and you kind of, you know, it almost, you know, I was watching the 30 for 30 Trojan war yesterday and, and you know, watching the 2005 and 2004 stuff. And it does kind of feel like it was just yesterday that, that USC was on top of the world and, and blowing out Notre Dame, uh, almost on the regular and uh, you know kind of stopped to think you know it's been five six years since USC was really good you know they won pretty good season under Lane Kiffin but that was just kind of a mirage um, and and then you know before and after that it's just been completely stuck in the mud and, and you got to think and wonder what's going to happen now with USC um, I think this game is fascinating I don't maybe not so much from a national perspective. You know, there's a lot of good games this weekend. Uh, I know a lot of people are probably just going to tune in or just kind of check in just to see how USC reacts to not having Sark on the sidelines. You know, there's a whole bunch of storylines there. Obviously that's probably going to get most of the attention, but you know, this is a really big game for Notre Dame. Um, I'm going to talk about this in my preview. Um, and I just think it's crazy how from my my viewpoint personally, I, I kind of thought this was a, a loss, um, you know, even a few weeks ago, but definitely, you know, kind of before the season started, you know, I, I saw Clem, Clemson and the Navy and then USC. I was like, there's no way we're going to beat USC. Uh, we don't play good after the Navy game. Um, you know, just a bunch of other reasons. We got blew up, blown out last year. Um, you know, Obviously, USC has a lot of talent and this and that. So mentally, I was just kind of like, you know, this is going to be one of our losses, and, and that's just the way it's going to be. But now you kind of look at the whole situation, and all of the pressure seems to be on Notre Dame in this game. It it almost feels like a must-win, but more so it's like just a game you can't lose. I know there's not really a difference. Uh, it's not a real difference in, in, in the way you say that, but it just does feel like this is a game that Notre Dame just simply can't lose. You know, if you're going to win it by – one point on a last second field goal. I mean, that's great. I'll take anything better than that. But, you know, there's a lot of pressure on Notre Dame to win this game. I think it could set up a season that I think Brian Kelly and the whole program desperately need. I think they really need to get to 10 wins at least and, and kind of do something uh, bigger than they've done in the last couple of years and kind of shift the narrative a little bit. Um, you know, they got to finish recruiting strong. Looks like things are picking up a little bit better now that Notre Dame's five and one. We got some some things moving uh, this way and that way. We got some some higher ranked kids starting to look, starting to take visits. Obviously, this is going to be a big uh, weekend for official visits and all other types of visits. So, you know, there's a lot on the line. I know this is the way Notre Dame likes it. Um, kind of fell flat on their faces in 2011, bringing all these recruits in. Um, thinking that this was going to be a big showcase game for Notre Dame, and they just came out completely flat, fell behind early, uh, and then fumbled away a goal line play, and kind of that was just the end of that game. So hopefully that doesn't happen this weekend. And uh, and I don't really know what else there is to say about this game. Um, it's interesting. I don't know. I have no idea what USC team is going to show up. I think that's what makes it so intriguing from our perspective. You know, are they going to be pissed off? Um, are they going to not like the cold weather and kind of wilt under the under the pressure? 
of not having their head coach there? Uh, are they going to be automatically improved without Sarkeesian there? You got to think he wasn't a very stabilizing force. So part of me thinks that they're going to improve. And uh, one of the things that kind of worries me a little bit is the fact that, you know, Notre Dame's still dealing with a lot of injuries. You know, we haven't had any season injuries in three weeks, knock on wood. Um, but USC really is a really healthy team right now. They lost their center, but they have plenty of experience on offensive line. Uh, the guy who's going to fill in has played center before. So I'm not sure that's like a huge loss for them. And, you know, look at the rest of the roster. There really aren't any major injuries. So it isn't like we've got a USC team without a coach coming in with a couple key guys out or this and that. Uh, that's kind of the way Notre Dame has been operating for the whole season. So, you know, in my preview, I kind of I've talked about how it could be a little bit dangerous poking a wounded animal and USC kind of coming alive. And, and so I'm, I'm interested to see how they react to everything Um you know, the cold weather, um, you know, maybe, God willing, Notre Dame finally jumps out to a quick start and kind of gets up by 10 to 14 points. I'm interested to see, you know, if U- USC packs it in or if they'll fight back hard. And I'm really interested to see, kinda, you know, likewise how Notre Dame would respond if they get down. You know, it's been a pretty good job this year of fighting back uh, in situations like that and responding and and. and, and you know, if they get down, they come back and score pretty quickly, stuff like that. So um, I think that's going to wrap it up. We'll be back Sunday. Hopefully we'll be get back on schedule. Um, you know, the night game is going to wrap, wrap up pretty late on Saturday, <clears throat> probably after 11 o'clock or so. We'll have the instant reaction up on the site, and then uh, we'll hopefully record a podcast on Sunday. And uh, hopefully Notre Dame 6-1 and one and kind of cruising down into the uh, the second half of their schedule, the quote-unquote easier part of the schedule. Although a couple of away games against Temple and Pitt are going to be pretty tricky, so we can't overlook those games as well. But hopefully Notre Dame does defeat USC and sends them to 3-3, three and three and we kind of sit back and just watch the, uh, the circus play out for the rest of the season for them as they look for a new head coach and uh, hopefully Notre Dame goes on to some big things. So I'm Eric Murta. We'll see you guys back uh, in a few more days after the Saturday night game against the Trojans.